Without the footy, they are 15th in the competition. If you look at the last um, the last six weeks, so the, the only teams they're in front of are North Melbourne, West Coast and Hawthorne across the year. Right? Hawthorne the last six weeks have jumped to ninth. So they're only in front of North Melbourne, the West Coast defensively. That That's not what they've signed for. That's not what they're after. So the only way that they set the game up, to me, is they're very good at moving the ball, but it's methodical. They take 100 marks a week, second most in the competition. If they take less than 86 marks, they're 0 and 7. So if they can't control the game, they can't compete. So I, I don't love the profile. Matter of fact, I hate the profile. I think you've been aware of my thoughts on without the footy and how you, how you actually play. If you don't embrace chaos, I don't think you can win finals. So I think that this system they're playing now, they'll go well away from in the next couple of years. So I wonder why you'd play that system this year. What's the point of this system? It's a false economy. So I don't want to go too deep into it, but that has to change. That without the footy profile at Essendon has been this way for a decade. And until they embrace the, 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 the other side of the coin, nothing will change. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. It's a tough one today. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Uh, yeah, second one game to go, um, but we've got to cover... Um, what the living hell that was. Yeah, it was um, insipid. It was embarrassing, and uh, yeah, it was it was as it was gut wrenching as I can remember, to be honest. And, and and I don't think it's even an overreaction that I didn't think. I, I you know I put my hand up. I didn't think um, we had that in us. We had that <laughs> in us anymore, and. Not you know yeah I'm, I know we've had sixty to eighty point losses and I've gone oh man that's bad yeah but not a tenth place hundred and twenty six point loss and the first the fifth worst loss in club history uh, you know there's too many there was some decent names there but I can't remember twenty two guys going on a field and being as flat. As if, like, literally as if they were all drinking the night before and they've all woke up with massive hangovers. And they and just said, couldn't go. They couldn't yeah. run. And, and it wasn't, it, like, nobody it played was, well. Nobody. It was so bizarre. Uh, Merritt, I mean, Merritt of all people's pulling out of contests. Redmond's pulling out of contests and then not running. Yeah, dropping a, dropping a basic mark and then does he apply pressure to the guy next to him after his mark? He just walks or light jogs and it, it was honest, just so strange. It was just so... It looked like the guys were on strike. 
it looks like they were on a go slow campaign. <laughs> like they like, just, like, like they're the, sending a message to someone. Like, like they're sending a message. Exactly right. They're sending a message, and they they said, "Well, we want this." And the club or somebody in the AFL said, "No, nah, you can't have it." So the boys all got together and went, "This is an industrial action, <laughs> yes. and we're all going to play like poo and just lose by 126." And then they get to go back into the change rooms and say to whoever it is, "Do you want us to do that again next week? Because we can." It was. It was. Yeah. Uh, is I mean I can tell Essendon fans, uh, and, and a lot of them, you know, I know people talk about the historical stuff, and we've been a poor club for a while. I get that, um, but the turnaround from the first eight and five start to the three six after the break, and you know when you're three six and two of them, two of those wins are West Coast and, and North, North under yeah. a goal. I guess it's not flattering, but. Um, you know, we'll probably lose to the Pies Friday. There'll be a 3-7 after the break. We'll be ranked, you know, we're ranked 16th uh, after the, you know, since the break. It's just been, the drop-off has been so strange and I've been trying to put a positive spin on it as much as I can each week and try, yeah. trying to comprehend my head around it. Yeah. And, and look, I there's all those little small things I get where a young midfield at times and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing I can say no. That, <laughs> no. that is acceptable. Because uh, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. You, you would have to. It was so bad, I can't help think that this whole loyalty thing from Scott, that you would have to act on that. You would have to. You would have to. Go, I'm sorry, guys, but there's six to eight of you that just simply I can't accept. But but, but then you get pumped by Colin, Collingwood even worse. Like you bring I, I, in Davey but, and, and these guys. That doesn't matter. That that doesn't matter. Like it's No, but it does because you, you, you're there to pick the best side to win a game of footy, right? Like yeah, but they're can't. not the best side. But that's what I'm saying. Like uh, but this if, you, you've, if you've checked out, if he, if he, he looks at the video tape and goes, look, I, I'm not going to name names because they go, but I've, the last two or three games, you've totally checked out. So I'm going to put a cane ball win in because he wants to play. Yeah. He's, he wants yeah. a contract. Yes, yes. Da- Davey's desperate for a game. Mate. But, you know, I want uh, guys. Vossi would would, turn, would tear people apart uh, to get into if, that If he time. had an opportunity yeah. game. It doesn't mean they're setting the world on fire, but they're going to compete. The, uh, the other thing too is that if you drop half a dozen senior players, then they won't be there in two years' time. Well, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and yes. but this is the other. If you're going to put right? up that, if you're going to put up that, if if this club just keeps putting inconsistency as its brand and just picks picks and chooses when it wants to be up and when it wants to be down, and we just go through the motions and we end up between you know eighth and twelfth, then you, really like you. What got, the hell are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? Like it's you've got to sort out. And this is why I have my some of my issues with Scott, but but I'm not that I'm not as there as others may be. This is not a Brad Scott slamming. Uh, this is Brad Scott's opportunity, um, and in a weird way, <laughs> this might sound odd. I'm hoping that loss that game is a blessing in disguise because we haven't snuck into a final and and got beat and gone. Oh, we're on our way and we're. We've now clearly seen that there's 
sheer fractures something within this playing wrong. group as far as competitiveness. That was to go for a final, that loss. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the team that was behind you and you're ninth. Uh, so you have to, you know, it gives Scott at least a clear mind. And Scott's a competitor. Like a, uh, Brad Scott, we all know his Brisbane days. We all know his North Melbourne. He, he, he would underneath, I reckon that would tear him to shreds underneath. And it gives him at least something in the off-season. And God, please act on it, that some things have to change. And it gives Vozzo, um, uh, as, as CEO, at least some going, what are we doing wrong? And, you know, whether it's fitness, whether it's everything, recruitment, everything, what's all going wrong? That's all, you know, what are we doing as a club that we just are 8th to 12th every year? Okay. Devil's Advocate piece is that game, and we're, we're talking about, we're specifically talking about the fallout from that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that game sufficient enough, let me rephrase that, sufficiently bad enough, right, and it almost swore, freaking was, but is it sufficiently bad enough to throw out our early season form? Which is our form? Is it... It's sufficient enough for me... To say tip that... Tip us over into we're no good or tip us over into no, 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 it's again, I'm not going to use the word lip, but it's an abomination and piss it off over there somewhere. We're, we're bad. We're not real good because we started off okay, but then we've just fallen away. So current form says we're no good. Or does that game at 126 points tip us well over the edge of we are crap and need to make... Significant changes because the start of the season, <laughs> yeah. man, we were good, no doubt, no doubt, and that's 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 what's gut gut wrenching about this. That's whole my thing. point. I, I'm, I don't know what the hell to think, and 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 it is it is part of the whole confusion. Of, yes, I think, and we've talked about it on the show. I still think you know we were kind of. <laughs> A little bit forgiving with the Frio game and the Geelong game. Then the Bulldogs game happened. I was like, all right, that's three in like five weeks. Like, what's going on? Um, and then we played the Eagles after that. And, yes, we won, but it was – we were flat. It was uninspiring. Um, Any other team, we lose that. Yeah. The North game actually I thought was okay. Like, it was uh, – oh. you know, it was probably one of our better ones. But then this week happened and – and there's too much up and down now. But that's that's why I say since round 13, we've been very 2022. It's, yeah. And it's... That's worrying me. Uh, yeah. A nine-week stretch worries me when it's that. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a three-week stretch. If this happened, this game happened, and we were seventh on the ladder and competing pretty well, it would be confusing. But you go, okay, mm, we've yeah, got to yeah. yeah. act hard on that. Yep. And... But... It's because of, for me anyway, that we've had a nine-week stretch of of being 16th ranked. And that's where my head's at, right? Yeah, it's it's too up and down. You can't be top six and then, bot- and then bottom it. three. And what do, we, what do we take out of this season, right? Four more wins, what do we take out of this season? I was about to take out of the season positivities, right? We got Sardis and we got four more wins. That's a good thing, man. We got four more wins, right? Mm-hmm. But... The last second half of the season, the second half of a season and a four-goal loss to GWS, I probably still would have put us at the – it's a good good improved season, right? Mm. But 
the the second half of the season plus a hundred and twenty six point loss. I'm sorry, that has just burnt any goodwill that you've earned with me at the beginning of this year. At the beginning of the year, I just said, I want to know what the hell my club is. What is my club? Are we a fast-moving, handballing? What the hell are we? Because we know no one friggin' knew under truck. Like, no one knew. We came out. We started to play well. We had a focal point in, um, in righty. We had Langford doing his thing. We were moving the ball. We looked good. And then we, we won well, enough. Sorry, just to correct you a little bit, uh, I would suggest – because righty started at round thirteen, it would actually we looked more. Well, be- we actually looked, yes, okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. looked we looked unusually better being creative and yes, with with Stringer and Langford and little little options. Yep, yeah, true. But in then, some ways, righty's unbalanced us a bit. Not that it's his fault, but no, no, we you, haven't co- right. we haven't coached that, around yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. And so we at the beginning of the season we look good, man. And I remember if you scroll back on a few podcasts, I said, man, I am this close, this close to throwing out of my mind the thought that Essendon could be starting the season brilliantly, playing really well, and has every opportunity the next week to get beaten by 10 goals. I was this close to throwing that out of my brain, right? Then we have a second half of the season where we look lethargic and old and tired and just bombing the ball back into the bloody forward line again and not putting any pressure on the midfield again. And it just culminates in one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my 49 years supporting this club. I have never seen players like, and Scotty was, Scotty and I were talking before the game when, um, when the saga BS was on and they were in Frio, weren't there something like that? No, it was the game at Marvel at the Saints, we lost by 100 and say, from I guess 120, then, then, yeah. then Hurdy went. And, yeah. and, you know, we saw players almost in tears walking off the ground. That had a different emotion. That was the, that was, that was the next worst loss I can remember. That has a different emotion. It was actually a fan base. There's a reason. Actually man. wanting to support the players because yeah. it was a bloody mess. Yeah, the saga sucked. Um, this is completely different. There's, there's no reason. There's for no it. reason. It's, no. It's just. In uh, fact, there's the exact opposite reason for you're it meant to, to not be happen. up. You're meant to be up and about. That's exactly right. It's like, That's why if we had a loss by bloody five goals, mate, I would have gone. Ah, oh, well, that was poo. GWS, they're a half decent side. I, like I didn't think. I didn't get the impression against North Melbourne the previous week. Even though it wasn't like a smashing win, we still had some turnovers there. I didn't. I didn't think we were tired. Like no. I, I thought we were running across the ground quite well. But Hawthorne's running across the ground. Carlton's running across the oh, ground. The Eagles won on the weekend. Eagles like, are <laughs> up and about. The dogs are running. Like man, that's that's BS. You're going to get that from the club. Oh, you, the club cannot come out and say that was bloody atrocious. All the players should be sad. They're not going to say it. They are going to hold the party line and they are going to say, oh well, maybe they're they're a bit tired and that sort of stuff. Because the last thing they want is players pissed off at the at the coach for saying shit publicly about them. So I I it better not be the message inside though. It no, better be, I, I mean that would be the, it would be the, it has to be it would be the most embarrassing videotape review you would ever have. I can remember as a and club. The thing is though, right? Zach Merritt is our performance focused. Yeah, as captain, fa- fantastic and, year, but even he was well what off. The hell? So that's why wouldn't you? Kill to have Craig Vozzo's mobile number. Just give him a little quiet call. You've what? actually got it, though. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, what the Craig? What seriously? In the cone of silence, mate. Throw away the key. <laughs> seriously, though, Craig. What the f- was that? 
Because we're all totally at a loss to understand the level of, like at half time, you didn't even come out and give a whimper. Not even a whimper. Yeah, like 71 to 6 or something like that. <laughs> but okay, and I understand, Grant, that it's bloody difficult to come back from 71 to freaking 6. But I'm sorry, man. I don't give a shit if you've... That's twice I've said that. Um, <laughs> I don't give a, you know what, if I... If you are sad or unhappy or being pumped, you come out of the start of the third quarter and you run through some blokes. Oh, but it's like, seriously, like... I know I'm I'm sounding old here, but guys, like you're wearing a jumper that's been worn for 140. Represent it, like Mark Harvey should be, Dean Solomon should be, Wallace should be. They should be turning in their not graves. Like they've, they've, Damien Hardwick must be looking at that, going, "That's that's insane, man." I threw my head first into Steve Kernahan's knees, and like. <laughs> To, to do something like that, we, 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 I know we're really getting stuck into this one game, right? But again, if it was 10 goals, I reckon we would have moved on to our guest by now. But it's such a staggeringly bad performance that it just, the more I think about it, the more I go, how the hell in modern sport, when you are paid to do a job, they are fit AFL athletes. If they aren't fit enough to run out of season, then sack the freaking lot of them. <laughs> Not the players. I'm talking about everybody that prepared those kids. Because if you're that tired or you're that injured or Stringer wasn't right so they played him as a sub, then don't play him. Oh, it's that's the other thing too. It's like don't tell us after the game or Stringer was sub because he couldn't apply, you know, he couldn't. I he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to play out a whole game. Then you just don't play him. That's it. Because guys can get injured five minutes into the game. Like it's, I don't get it, man. The sub is... To come on either for an injury or strategic. If it's an injury, you've got to pick a guy. Like, Ideally, why? you want the sub to be 100% so that he can have maximum impact. No offence. And, and people are going to go, can you continue with this guy? If we pick this guy, we're still going to lose by 120 points. But just as a practice, don't drop frigging Kane Baldwin for a guy that's not fit. Because the guy can play centre-half forward, centre-half back, and he's absolutely desperate for a position, and he's kicking everything at 100%. And why are we going to play a guy who's not fit? What does that tell the group as a culture? Like, what does that tell Kane Baldwin? Like, great. I'll do everything right when I come in. I'll get dropped the next week. Sure, you come in, Jake. You're not fit and you can only play half a game, as it's declared, but all good's on this front. Like, it's just, all right, I've got myself going. No, and, but that's the <laughs> but thing. But it's just, it just drives me insane. Like, well, can't we learn something as a club? Like, do we actually not go, stop, do we go, we, we, we're going to learn from this, we're going to learn from this. Can you actually learn from it, though? Please, Actually register it in your head and go, we won't do it again. We'll pick fit players who want to play for this game, who want to play for this club, who want to represent it week in, week out. If you play 11 games good and 11 games poor because you're just – because you're nonchalant and you just want to get through the motions. Get the F out of here. Like, get a player that will run through a guy. I don't care if it's if he's less talented. I want guys who want to play for this club week in, week out and are passionate about the Essendon Football Club that actually desperately want success because I'm over it. I'm so over it year in, year out. We're sick of it. 
<laughs> There's not much more you can say about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, guess what, Scotty? On tonight's show, uh, you reckon yeah. that was fired up, mate? We've got a bloke called Rowan Connolly who I assure you. Yeah, now for a calming presence of Rowan. Bless, we are going to enjoy this, baby. Um, after the break, we've got um, uh, Footyology's Rowan Connolly on, who we have said, mate, if you want to, you can do anything you like on this pod, mate. Um, you say what you want, and but uh, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> buckle up because I don't reckon Rocco is going to hold back so we'll join you after the break with Mr. Rowan Connolly Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, uh, joining us tonight is our very special guest um, and uh, friend of the pod, Mr. Rowan Connolly. Rowan, welcome again. How are you, guys? Good, thank you, mate. Um, thank you for joining us tonight for your uh, for your, your, new, your, new, your unique take on things. Um, Scotty, first question to you. Yeah, so just prior to the break, I actually went on a massive rant. Uh, so I kind of made the joke, going, after the break we'll have a calming presence of, of Rowan Connolly to, to, to quietly discuss the game. Uh, Rowan, um, we obviously have talked previously on the show, um, and, and positively it probably was the last time we talked about the, the restructuring of, of, of management, I guess, and, and how operations work and with Barham and Vozo and, and, and development team. I'm curious your thoughts now uh, on, on that and can you separate the view on that to what's actually happening on the ground? Is there a secondary now thing where Scott goes, okay, I've got my off-field and support behind me, not too bad, but I've now got to work on a cultural issue on field. Um, yeah, it's a complex, uh, a complex issue, and I think you can separate the two in terms of how they're addressed. Um, but you know, I, I think they're, um, I think they're definitely uh, linked, codependent. But and this is, you know, I, I, I'm going to use that word culture, and everyone's going to roll their eyes again and. You know, people only want to talk about culture in the most sort of um, general terms, <laughs> and then they want to go back to talking about you know why Andy McGrath can't kick and and that sort of stuff. And okay, I was sitting there watching it, and I was suitably appalled. And you know, I, I tweeted it. Um, but to me, the, the bottom line is that is a good example of how deficient this football club's culture has been. And that's the most obvious representation of the culture is what happens out on the field. And basically, it appears like you have a group of players who aren't hurt enough, you know, who 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 aren't um, who aren't stirred enough by the prospect of abject humiliation to mount some sort of response, even during a game when it becomes increasingly obvious they're getting their their pants pulled down. Um, and when I talk about culture, I mean, you know, I've said this before to you guys on the on this show that, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a period of, of oh, geez, I don't know, you know, close to 25 years now. And 
that's a lot of water under the bridge and a lot of bad habits and a lot of bad examples that have crept into an entire club. And it takes, hopefully it doesn't take that long to get it right, but it takes a while because it becomes endemic, you know, throughout a playing group and throughout the next generation of players who have the examples set by the previous generation who who were deficient in a lot of ways. It, it becomes the prevailing case with uh, administration. They, they think that what is good enough is good enough when it actually isn't. So what I am pleased about is, you know, I think you are starting to get the building blocks in place off the field, i.e. a president who is very switched on, knows his stuff. And, you know, I can only say what I think, but I know Dave Barham well. I think he's a very smart operator and I think he's well aware of all this stuff. Ditto, uh, I look, I'll put my hand up. I don't know Craig Vozzo well, but I know that his reputation is pretty outstanding mm. um, as a football-orientated CEO. And I do really like the way that he, he hasn't had to sort of come out and have this public profile. He's just been quietly getting the job done. And I am a big fan of Brad Scott. And I know that, look, I, I read Bomber Blitz. You know, I, I know people have taken issue with his conservatism at, at the selection table. But again, this is what I'm getting back to. I, I think, I feel like, and I haven't had this discussion with him, but I think Brad is very alert to this whole issue of culture at this club. And that, I feel like that's why he hasn't got overly excited at any stage about what this group is doing. Because even, even um, you know, the the exciting uh, development that's happened with the younger players on this list, they're still players who have had the example set for them by guys who don't really know what effective, successful leadership in an AFL club is about. And I don't even mean that as an insult to the likes of Zach Merritt and, and Darcy Parrish. And, no and one Andy. taught them. Yeah, yeah. But they don't. No one taught them. And and you, you cannot escape this. And yesterday on 3AW we were speaking about this and, you know, the best parallel I could think of, and I didn't mean, you know, like exactly the same in terms of they're this bad off on field, but I was thinking of Melbourne, you know, about, about 10 years ago before Paul Ruse came in. And, you know, you had they'd cut too deep, you know, they had no leaders that had poor performances for years and years and years. And the guys who were their leaders sort of got thrown in the deep end very quickly. And the whole sort of club ran around like a chook with its head cut off. Now I sort of feel like Brad Scott is Essendon's Paul Ruse, that things have got to be straightened up. But in this case, um, you know, it's, it's, it's straightened up off the field as well as on the field. So part of setting that right cultural example is about things like being consistent on a week-to-week basis. And I think Essendon on the field has pretty much done that this year. Look, as did, don't get me wrong, you know, the, since the bye or since the Adelaide win, it's been profoundly disappointing. I mean, the, mm. you know, even the, what wins they have had have been really ordinary, haven't they? Yeah. But overall, you know, until last Saturday, I, w- I was looking at the the season performance and thinking, well, you know, there's only been one or two weeks when they haven't been competitive. 
Um, what's going on with it? Why have their performance levels dropped off so dramatically? There is some sort of issue here about fitness and preparation. But again, I think that goes back to a cultural thing. And look, I don't know this. This is me theorising. Do these guys do enough work outside the club? Um, do they have the motivation to go that extra yard to work on their games or their fitness or their motivation? Um, you know, are they are they driven enough? And and what happens is, and I'm sorry, I'm starting to ramble a bit here, but That's I'm right, explaining, explaining it as best I can. You know, my generation uh, and, and you know, my contemporaries in terms of players, you know, Mark Harvey and, and Tim Watson and mm-hmm. Simon Madden and these sort of guys, you know, those groups of players were famously self-motivated. They knew the, the, what the standard had to be. And when it dropped off, they knew how to pull themselves up and pull their teammates up. Um, and they also paid a high price for not doing that in the media and in the public at large. So I, one of the issues, I think, and, and this is a cultural thing, it's about society today, the football club is more of a workplace than it used to be. Mm. Um, you know, I think the penalty for poor performance in the job is more of a professional penalty. It's not so much abject humiliation being roasted in the media. You know, like, I mean, there's so much media now and it's possible for players to tune out from the media. So, you know, the the the, the press can unload on Essendon, but they, they can still quite easily not hear it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, when I hear Darcy Parrish say, oh, you know, this is going to sting all summer, you know, I'm, cynical me goes, no, it's not, mate. You and your mates are going to head off to Vegas or wherever you're going in two weeks and let your hair down and have fun and, and you're going to report back for pre-season and off you go again. It, I, I don't think humiliation on the field stings for today's players like it did. And, mm. again, I'm not even saying that critically. I don't think you can change that. That's just how society changes. But what it means is in today's world, the groups of players that are successful are the ones that can build their own motivational cocoon, if you mm-hmm. like, and they drive each other on. Have a have a look at who's done that. You know, the, the Hawthorne players in their three-peat years, you know, famous little sort of bubble of players who who drove each other on, you know, Lewis, Hodge, Roughhead, Mitchell. The Geelong guys prior to that, you know, Johnson, um, you know, Chapman, Ablett, Scarlett, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're, there are groups of them and, and they become their own little almost club within a club, and they drive those standards. Essendon, because it's been spectacularly unsuccessful on the field, doesn't have that. Where does it find it? Now, you know, I think they've had a a taste of it when guys like, say, Brendan Goddard and uh, James Kelly and Paul Chapman came into that club. But unfortunately, they're fleeting because Goddard aside, you know, the other guys are coming in right at the the tail end of their careers. So is is that a way... Essendon could do it, you know, import a, a veteran on the tail end of his career. I mean, it would be a fairly desperate move. But uh, beyond that, I think the only way you can address it is by making sure you absolutely nail those draft selections, uh, not only in terms of ability, but in terms of, you know, having that tough enough 
mental fibre um, and you hope that you create an environment around the club where players come in and they're under absolutely no illusions about the standards expected of them. I would like to think, and, you know, we're, I'm not expecting anyone to tell me, and I, I don't necessarily need them or want them to, but, you know, if I was Brad Scott at some stage since Saturday, you know, I'd be rounding up those players and sitting them down saying, listen, no, nah, that's just that's just not happening again. And if I ever see that again, you know, you, some of you are going to lose your places on this list as a result of that absolutely diabolical, embarrassing, woeful performance. And you've got to be accountable for that. And, you know, I think that's part of a club's growing up and developing a culture that is an entree to on-field success. But it takes – this takes years and years and years, you know, and, and it means – getting all the right people in place, uh, and it means focusing on that before you worry about the mechanics of the list and, oh, you know, should we trade out pick 17 for this, you know, this young kid from WA? That stuff's just window dressing. It's not going to matter unless you have a club and then a football department and then a team that, that operates on a day-to-day basis with the right mindset yeah. and the right attitude. Essendon hasn't had that for 20 years, and it's still paying a price for it. Run, what percentage, that culture, and I completely agree, but what percentage is driven by the players themselves, and then what percentage is driven by some of the only other people in the club that can influence the outcome of the of the play, oh, sorry, the, the way the players play, and in the coaching staff, because well, yeah. I'm, I'm mindful of the Sydney Swans, right? I remember Scott used to tell me that um, Kirk, every time a new player came to the club, he'd sit him down and say, right, you've just arrived at the Sydney Swans. Here's how we do things here. We do it this way. We do it that way. We do not do it this way. We do not do it that way. If you do it that way, you'll be dropped. End of story. What, what percentage is the player-driven um, model of improving, and what percentage comes down to the coaching shape up or ship out? Oh, I, I would say 80, 20, maybe even 90, 10. I okay. mean, this is, this is exactly what I, uh, in in terms of the players, mm. I mean, this is exactly what I was alluding to, Grant, that the any successful club of the modern era in AFL has had a, a group of hardcore leaders who mm. refuse to compromise standards and who were constantly vigilant about what everyone else on that list was doing. Do we have them? Like, without naming names, do we have a core there that if they... No, no, because because they don't know. They they haven't been able to experience that success as players, so they don't know what the standard is. They think they do. They think they do. Yeah. And, And look, all I can say is, I mean, I haven't played AFL footy. All I can say is I've been around... A yeah. lot of people have, and I have these discussions with them, and they will all say to you when it comes up to you know when you're talking about Essendon, they you know, and and I run this stuff by them, and and they'll they'll agree, you know, these guys think genuinely, honestly, sincerely think that they are doing the right thing, and they are driven, and that the, the, these are the standards you should aspire to, but they're short of the mark because they haven't had to do it themselves, so they think they're sort of operating at a maximum level. But what's their maximum level is actually several rungs below what the really good teams 
it's that, operating at. And, that, and it's not just it's not just about a, a maximum either. It's about all the little nuances of being a successful AFL footballer that come down to how you spend your time, um, you know, where your focus goes in terms of your football, how you spend your downtime. Um, you know, look, I mean, that, that Geelong group, they almost became on autopilot after a while because they had so many years of being so good. They knew exactly what was required. Um, Essendon's guys don't. I look at, I must admit, you know, look, I, I look at Zach Merritt. I think he has gone up a notch as a leader. Yeah, here, I, I generally do. I, yep. I look at him and I feel sorry for him because I think he's exactly the sort of bloke who had Zach Merritt been at Geelong or at Hawthorne 10 years ago, he would have absolutely thrived and he would have been to them, you know, what Sam Mitchell was because mm. he's that sort of bloke. He clearly is very driven, but he's got no help. And, and even he can't call upon examples from his own past because he doesn't know what they are. So again, all I can keep doing is picking the right blokes and, you know, look, if we're going to call spades shovels here, Essendon hasn't picked the right blokes for a long, long time. And, you know, you know what I'm alluding to here. Yeah. And, and, um, well, you know, I, I think I think it's time for change. Here, too much you? too much too much encouragement and not enough hard words. Well, no, no, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's been a massive turnover of administrative and executive staff. Oh, sorry. So I thought you meant in captain. Sorry. I picked up that wrong message. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, you know, like do it properly, yeah. you know. What, like, what, I mean, other than, I mean, I, 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 you know, I think that I'm a, I'm a fan of Adrian Dodorio, what he's done, but that's my opinion. But. Why, when there's a top to bottom review at the club, is it is it something more nefarious, or why does he retain his position then? Because if, even if, like you just said, twenty years, I understand, man. It, it's probably due for a set of fresh eyes, but why, why sort of why does he retain? Why did he retain his position? Why do you think? I think because they look at the 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 basics of his job. People keep telling me on the Facebook page and that that we haven't won a final in 20 years and it's his fault. That's what they say, right? But I figure at the at the position the club gives him year in, year out, with the players that are available, he has made good selections at the time. I reference Fra uh, Francis all the time. He was the great wall of Francis when he was there. He was could play back, he could play forward. He played some time in the middle with the TAC. He was a not a safe bet, but he was a good pick. And it yeah, didn't... but Grant, 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 just let me chip in there. I mean, you you said it yourself. I mean, uh, there's no one else at that club who has had you know as little <laughs> outright success in turning up talent for that list. Well, there's no no one else has had as uh, qualified success, if any, in that roles that has survived in their positions for not just five or six years, twenty five years now, twenty five years. Yeah. Uh, Adrian's been a, a, there as recruiting manager or, or list manager. There's not a single person in the football world at any other club who could have had as limited returns as Adrian's had, and still have kept their job. And and that, to me, again, and 
Again, I'm not having a go at Adrian. I'd be clinging on to my job too if I could. Yeah. But that 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 is pretty that is pretty staggering. And that to me is another comment on the cultural weakness of this club in the modern era that no one uh has been prepared to say, Hey, mate, thanks, but it's it's time to move on. And I I, I think it, you know, look. I'll probably get a dirty phone call from him about it, and you know, I'm, then, I'm just saying what what I think. And I, he's been a wonderful. He loves the club. There's no question about that. Um, but surely you but, need fresh eyes. You need fresh yeah, eyes. Surely it's it's time to try another approach. But to speak to your cultural um, narrative, there, it, it's going to need to cut that deep as well, right? Like, it's it's not that deep. Adrian's not bigger than the club, and even he would say that, right? Fine, but it it really genuinely needs to be. Deep cuts is what you're saying into the club, or deep, really deep, not just he's been there for 25 years, so it's probably a good idea for. Um, well, they have. I mean, this is my point, Grant. They've cut deep. They've cut every every bloody conceivable position. There's a new board. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there's about to be a new football manager. Yeah, Simon Madden gets kicked out. <laughs> there's a new CEO. There's a new mascot for all I know. Yeah, I'm right. Popping into Skeeter's outfit these days, but. Every single position virtually in that administrative level has been changed, except his, you know. And geez, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to know why then. Because is, is there a perception, is there any concept that the, the review came back that he has performed in his role? Uh, look, I, I, I didn't see the review. I, I no, 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 I understand. Yeah. but like, I, I can't speak to what the review said or didn't say. But, I mean, the, the you know, the, the results are there to be measured, aren't they, in the players who have come onto the list? And I, I do have some sympathy for him because I think there's been enormous deficiencies in development over the years. That would be my clearly, argument. Clearly there's been enormous deficiencies in, you know, fitness and conditioning because all these blokes just seem to, you know, get struck down and not play for two years, you know. I think on that um, part, just to – sorry to cut you off. I think on that part, even with the fitness, I actually found that part strange because – the review actually said the players were not fit, and and the fitness and health team remained. I was, I, I, I thought that was like, oh, that's that's a little bit strange. But this is part of what I was alluding to before too yeah. about the work, the work that these guys do away from the club. Do they do enough? These guys, maybe, they, yeah, maybe are, they've, are, yeah. Are they are they as driven as as they think they are? You know, like, a, well, what's a, the consequences if they're not if they're not meeting their metrics? That's what I'd love to know. What's the consequence? Sixteenth, even, even between their own players, you know. But this is again, this is what I'm getting back to about it, it's easier for these guys to put in inadequate performances and get away with it these days because we live in a, a bigger world. That, you know, in terms of media, you know, like 30 years ago, um, you know, if a side got humiliated. It'd be all over the newspapers and it'd be all over the TV shows and everyone would be talking about it. We have such a fragmented world these days in terms of media and culture and pastimes and whatever that you can tune out from that. Those guys can can be insulated from that. They don't actually pay a price. You know, they, they lost by 126 points, but when they got back to Melbourne, they could still, you know, go to their local night spot and, and get slapped on the back and, and you know, do some Insta posties and, um, you know, have someone buy a drink for them or whatever, you know, they, they don't really pay that that heavier price. So when a lot of the people on the Facebook page, a lot of the listeners have been saying to me, 
Um, massive wholesale changes um, this week against Collingwood. Um, drop everybody, do the whole thing, right? Now, you, you've really got me thinking around about the about the fact that it's the players is just the window dressing piece. We're in deep, you know what, until we fix this culture piece. Is there anything that we can do or that you would recommend Brad Scott to do for the last game of the season? Do we make yeah. some drops or...? Yeah, I'd, I'd be more inclined to go the other way. I'd be more inclined to make few, if any, changes and say to these guys, you're playing for your – some of you guys are playing for your careers here and, okay. uh, mm. you know, there's a minimum standard that has to be adhered to in this game and you'll pay the price if it's not. And you know what? Even if you do, even if you turn around and you have a, a really good win over Collingwood, you know, I'm not going to pat you on the back when you come back in the rooms. You should have done that. You stuffed it up. Yeah. You stuffed it up. You know, and and you need to pay a price for that, and you need to appreciate uh, how important this club is and this team is to a lot of people. And you, excuse the French, you shat all over that last weekend. And you know what? You know, if if, if I'm part of the administration of the club, I'm you know hypothetically, I'm not saying yeah. I. <laughs> Um, I, the thing that would worry me the most is the amount of people, and I've seen this on Bomber Blitz, and um, you know I, I I feel a bit the same way. And and look, you know, you guys know how much I love Essendon, yeah. and look, I'm I'm professional, and I you know I I enjoy watching other teams these days. I guess that's where it's changed. You know, I, I there's a lot of clubs I like, and a lot of people in footy I like, but I, I still have a a lifelong love of Essendon. But, you know, the longer this entrenched mediocrity goes on, the harder it is to to find the passion for it because mm. you, you think, you know, I'm I'm wasting a lot of emotional energy and I'm wasting a lot of hours, you know, and a lot of money um, fixated on this club that, that can't be stuffed even busting an ass for me in return. So, you know, why should I? Give it a toss. And that's the that's the issue we spoke about last time, and I still think it's an issue, is is the amount of comments that I get about saying, oh, my kid's following Geelong, my kid's following Collingwood, uh, that's their bigger concern. It's our age will be will be will <laughs> will be sadly loyal to the end, but it's actually it's actually the under fifteens who go, Why am I following that club? Uh, and then that that big four dream of big four Melbourne club that goes out the window in, in, in very soon. I reckon it's. I, I think there's still gonna they're gonna take a hit in a fan base moving forward. Well, particularly when you see other clubs, you know, rise and fall. Yeah. Times over, whilst Essendon plods along, you know, in in this sort of lower middle reaches of the ladder. Um, and you know, when I talk about uh, enjoying the success of other clubs. I honestly do. I mean, um, we were talking about this on 3AW last night. I, I've really, you know, I'll get burned of a stake here, but I know I, I've, really, I've, I've really enjoyed watching Hawthorne this year. You know, they've, oh, okay. they've got some great kids. I love Sam Mitchell's approach to that team. You know, um, he's really encouraging them to play positive footy. Uh, if I was a Hawthorne supporter, you know, I'd, I'd be wrapped and I'd be thinking, you know, this is a really exciting Period. Now, you know, I'm not saying that can't happen with Essendon, but Hawthorne had the advantage of having a really well-established culture mm. that young 
players come into. You know, I know they haven't, you know, they, it's been a while. They haven't won a flag for, what, eight years, you know. But Essendon hasn't even had that. Mm. And and so, you know, young guys come into this and people talk about, well, you know, how come, you know, like two years ago we get in the top ten, um, you know, who was it, Cox and Reed and um, Perkins. Well, actually, that's that's probably a bit unfair. I, I, I think I, I don't mind what Perkins has done this year. I know some people are, are, are sort of off him, but I, I think he's become a pretty solid player, and I'm happy with how he's tracking. Reed's perpetually injured, like a, a lot of Essendon draftees. Uh, Ditto Cox, you know. Um, so you don't know with him. Harry Jones, where, where's he at? I don't know. Yep. I'm always patience with him. Um, and then you see these other sides bring in young young guys that just thrive and and. They seem to pick the right players and uh, they seem to pick players who are durable and get on the park. And when Essendon was playing well this year, one of the things I was really enjoying about the young guys was the relative consistency but durability, i.e. they get on the park, Mm. or were, of the likes of Hobbs and Durham and Perkins. Mm. And, yeah, you know, like Durham, he might make his mistakes, but he's there every week. He plays. He doesn't get injured. He has a crack. You know, I don't think Essendon's picked nearly enough of those types. Um, and so, again, getting back to Adrian and that discussion we're having there, you know, like I, I just, you know, I just <laughs> I just think it's time. But, uh, you know, find Adrian another role if you, you can't bear to not be part of the club. <laughs> put put him in with the coterie guys and girls or something, yes. <laughs> maybe, he can, maybe he can be Skeeter. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time for someone else in that job, I reckon. Yeah, look, I, I, I probably, I, I, I'm not, I'm in the same way. Uh, I just think, I think, just fresh eyes, a new approach. It, it kind of, it kind of marries up to the last twelve months. I think, I think it's just a good time to turn over, have a new look, have a new, new, new way of doing things. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think we've been a little bit, sometimes project player, like with Cox and that. I, I want. You know, there's something about, you know, when Hawthorns did their selection, they picked footy players. Like, I know it sounds funny, but Sam Mitchell, you know, those guys are just, they're now their IQ. They just, they breathe football and they just yeah. understand the game. I've always felt like we've had this a little bit of project kind of play where we've had tried to teach the game, but they've got yeah. athletic gifts. And and I, I, I you know... There's another game where it was 100 and what 105 points from turnovers. You just yeah. at some point we've got to get smart footballers into this club. Yeah, no, no, you, you you're spot on. Um, you know, again with with Brad and his coaching, I suppose I've been a little bit frustrated at the, you know, the focus on oh he's too conservative with this selection, and you know I'm probably repeating myself here, but. All that stuff is sort of putting the cart before the horse. I mean, this this is how big a trough Essendon as a footy club was in that, you know, you've had to really strip the whole thing back to nuts and bolts and, and build it up from the ground level. And and the first thing that that means in terms of the football team that is put on the field every week is that there's a, you know, a base level of effort and there's a, a sort of a, a minimum you know, minimum sort of level of consistency. And I felt if, you know, regardless of how poor the last six weeks or whatever have been, overall I look at the season and I think, yeah, well, that that is happening. That's certainly even across the season happened more than it did 
yeah. last year or or even 2021 or, or 2020. So, but it's, you know, that's real basic stuff. And, and so you've got to see that coming first. Yeah. Or you start worrying about, you know, whether Kane Baldwin should be playing as a key forward or defender. You yeah. know, like that, that stuff comes later. <laughs> well, mate, um, we've got to let you go. We really appreciate your time again today. And again, I think, mate, you have just well and truly put the cat amongst the pigeons for me in that you're right. You can pick Baldwin all you like. You can pick, you can pick anybody you like. But if the culture and the mindset isn't there to go above and beyond, you're never going to beat the really good team. So I reckon that's something for all, for all of our listeners to have a listen to. Thank you very much for your time again, mate. We really appreciate it. We can uh, People can catch you on 3OW and at the Footyology um, uh, podcast and website. Um, so thank you again for joining us. Thanks, guys. Anytime. And, um, yep, well, let's all... Fingers crossed. Uh, let's hope the last game isn't an embarrassment. <laughs> oh, man. No, exactly. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks, mate. Cheers. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then. Been a fiery show, this one. Brilliant, brilliant interview with uh, with Roko again. Um, it's made me think, mate, trust me, that's uh, it's the whole you can lipstick and mascara whether or not you play Kelly on a wing or you put Baldwin in or you're not. Um, but it's the culture, man. Like he's, I think he's made a really, really good point there. Um, so a massive thank you to, uh, to Rowan. He's... Always been incredibly generous with his time, and we really appreciate it. Um, you don't get a much more of an experienced um, AFL uh, journo than him, so we are we are very uh, very happy to have him on the show. So, um, yeah, and really, there's not much else you can say that the coming no. coming the weekend. I, I just do want to do quick two shout outs. <laughs> this is weird, actually, ending on on a nice note. Um, but one. Um, I think despite how bad that game was, the person who kicked a third of our goals, yeah. uh, Cole Langford, look, honestly, congratulations on 50 goals. Uh, I really do hope you get selected in the All-Australian. Um, you know, <laughs> considering our forward entries, uh, you're just atrocious. You, you've done very, very well. Um, you've had a fantastic year. Actually, it's more than that. You've had an absolutely fantastic year. Um, hopefully you get recognised on Crichton Night as well. Um, but I just want to just call that out. And James Stewart, who we all know... Um, uh, Been injured it. for ages and then... But look, he's only played prior to this week one game and uh, he's just had a, a, a year to forget. And, um, and obviously off-field and on-field just had... Uh, big big moments in his life, and we always wish him well. But I I love um, just that 
that he got the opportunity to play that last game on the weekend, kick five goals and was the difference in the game. And and I'm hoping that no matter what happens in his career or anything like that, just hoping that gives him a smile yeah. and gives him um, a, a nice moment um, in what's been a very tough year. So Bloody just, hard work for him to come back and do that. I just wanted to sort of call that out and that was like a nice moment. And the VFL guys obviously won on the weekend. I know they played a team that hadn't won all year, so it's not – you're not yeah, something you over-celebrate. Excited, yeah. Better win's a win. You can only beat who you've in front of you. But um, I think Davey had two goals, eight in disposals. A few little Vossi had 14 disposals, two goals. And um, still was, some, you know, I think Weeds had a, a nice game down back. But, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm glad they ended off with a win. And, um, yeah, so unfortunately the AFLW uh, second the girls, their second game, they just went down to West Coast, put in a, a much better performance probably from their first week, so got a little bit more sharper. So hopefully the the form is on the way up. On the, yeah, on the tick up. Uh, uh, but they are practice games, so uh, you let's hope that they, they can find some um, some better form and as they start the year. So that's it uh, for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have our normal uh, um, team selection show uh, coming up. That would be interesting. You, you, and but here's here's my here's my guess. Uh, no, no major changes. No enormous sort of droppings of everybody. Uh, Guelphy out, Snelling in. That's what it'll be. I betcha. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And um, obviously, we've got the uh, pies Friday night. I don't know why, but I'm just not even looking forward to the game. Nah, um, that's, and it's, it's ruined sold me. out. But uh, uh, that 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 result really did affect me. So, um, and that's Roko said. We beat. We end up beating Collingwood. I don't want to hear about it. And I look, just you, you've, yeah. you're still 115 points behind where <laughs> me giving you shit for the rest of this season, really. Yeah. So, all right, that's it from us signing off. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And this is Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Yes, mate. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>